2: finished 13-3, a 13-win season for the third time in franchise history.
3: I've been dreaming this my whole life.
2: They still have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man gonna dominate. Right, Offense, defense, special team.
1: Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline yeah. sends the Rams to the Super Bowl.
3: Hey! Welcome back to Rams Talk Radio for our midweek edition. This is Derek C. Apollo flying solo tonight. Everybody's out. Everybody's got kids to take care of or you know, just a rough week overall for the Rams Talk staff. A little bit of sickness going through and so you're stuck with me all alone as we get closer and closer. To the draft. But I do have a big show planned for you guys today, I promise, a big one. But before we do, we want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, just everywhere, okay? You can also find our podcast list with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at ClutchPoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes for our podcast. It really helps us out. Don't forget our other shows in the network, Rams and Center, Butting Heads, and soon-to-be Norm Hightower's new show. And he's asking for names, folks. I mean, I don't know if you saw that on Twitter and in the Facebook group, but he's trying to name his podcast, so get in touch with him. Also, speaking of the iTunes reviews. We have a new contest underway. We would love to get more of your feedback on our podcast. And we would like to, you know, hey, boost our numbers some. So once we get the 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will get a $75 gift to the to shop.com This is how it works. Head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, send us an email at ramstalk 1945 gmail.com gmail.com. Just a copy of your entry so we know who to reward come timing that 205 stars and uh, we will we'll pick a winner out and also hey you know why not we'll read your feedback on the show so we will give you a little bit of a shout out there okay so the draft that you guys know is just three weeks away we're starting to see see more and more things kind of pan out the rams having visits we look we think they're starting to settle in on some things like safety they visit with like five safety so far Maybe more than that. I'm losing track of so many safeties they've had come in. They've had some running backs in. They're talking to edge rushers. So with all that in mind, we've been reaching out to prospects, have them come on. And uh this week I happen to have PJ Johnson. So earlier this week we talked with We being me and uh, Josh Kolak, we talked with PJ and you know, it was a really neat interview with him. He was very kind enough to send a shout out to one of our guys, Mark Lujan, whose son, as you, as many of you know, by now has diabetes and it was just a really neat thing for him. And again, it was just great to have him on the show, period. So here's our interview with PJ and just a little bit of a heads up the audio because it's a phone call. It's a little rough at times, but it's still, it's still well worth your time to listen to. Here you go. He's our interview with P.J. Johnson from Arizona. All right, guys, we're here with P.J. Johnson, the defensive tackle from Arizona. P.J., welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
3: Well, we're glad you could take the time, and, and right away we'll get right off to it. Josh, you with us?
4: Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Thanks right. again for coming on,
3: P.J.
5: No problem. All
4: right,
3: fire away, Josh.
4: All right, so PJ, um, what was your, what has your journey to the draft been like thus far? And uh, kind of go through some of the challenges that maybe a prospect like yourself faces as time passes between, say, like your pro day and as the draft comes up.
5: Um, it's
2: it's been slower now. Uh, it's more like a sitting way wait, waiting for teams who want to meet you, talk to you. Different type of uh, like they have personality tests they give you. And I just finished doing the local day for the Arizona Cardinals. That went well. It's just more slower now that pro day is done.
4: Right, right. So, PJ, can you kind of tell me why you picked football as your sport? What drew you to it?
2: Um, My parents pretty much put us in all, like, three main sports. And I really loved baseball the most. But I my baseball coach on the youth football team. And he made me play with him, play for him because I played back catcher, and I was just uh, forced at a back catcher. So, man, you come play football, and I wanted to play football. I didn't like it the first year, but I also was uh overweight, so I had to play with. I had to play two divisions h- higher than my age, so I didn't like it. So the next year I came back and better, like football season. I like, got a year in, and he was like, "Man, you play this one more year if you don't like it, you quit." And that year it was just so much more natural to me. Uh, I, we won the championship. I got into like the Pop one all star team and stuff. So like. That's when I was like, okay, this game's the most natural to me, and then I just fell in love with it, like watching documentaries and stuff. I always liked the sport, being a kid watching it, but I didn't play it, so I didn't really understand as much as I as I did when I started playing it. And so once I started playing it, I started loving it more and more, and it just came so so natural to me.
3: But just a quick follow up here: what about it, though? Besides it feeling natural, you talk about how you like to watch documentaries on it. But if there's one thing you could point at the game, what made it special to you? to the point where you felt like you could enjoy playing this for a long time?
2: Uh, I just always feel like football always has some type of adversity that that you could get through no matter if it was like when you get older and it's taking care of your family or when you're little and you, you're not quite big enough. You have to find the courage to, to, to compete. It's just the, the adversity. It's a physical game, so it always comes type of adversity. I've just seen how the men I looked up to, once I got into the game, they had went through a lot of adversities, and I felt football would be the game the game that will give me the most mental strength and emotional strength to get through that life's adversity. So I think that's why, I, like, come where I come from, that I feel like I, I lean more towards football because it just felt like it made you a stronger person.
4: Well, PJ, speaking to adversity and that being the thing that kind of you love about football and being able to get through, can you describe some of the biggest challenges that you faced on your way to the NFL?
2: Yeah, so I, I, my journey's been like crazy. So like my freshman year of college, my appendix almost burst and I had to get rushed to the hospital. I, I, I had uh, complications in the surgery and I had uh, been in and out of the hospital for six weeks. Uh, my intestines got shut down, my bladder shut down, couldn't eat food, I couldn't really swallow food, couldn't really drink. It was just, I lost so much, lost about like 60 pounds during that time and I just was like in a real, real dark place. like, it was times where they said I, I might not make it, and I just didn't feel, like, good inside, and I just had to find a way to fight through that, and that, that, that helped me become a stronger man. That was probably my biggest adversity. Can you tell me a little bit about
4: what led you to playing for the Arizona Wildcats?
2: So I started my career at Sac State, and I, I registered it there, played a year, then registered The second registered was a medical register because we found a tumor in my leg. So I had to deal with the tumor situation, man. When it came to surgery and stuff, the school said they weren't going to pay for it because um, it was a football-related. So then I had insurance, but I had, like, co-pay insurance. So I had to, every time I had a doctor's appointment, I had to co-pay. So I had, to, had a bill every time. And I just felt like, wow, like, I'm your player. I'm going through this thing that could be cancer because we didn't know if it was cancer or not at the time. And I was like, y'all just going to leave me out like that. Then when it came to surgery, when I picked the surgery day, me and the surgeon picked the surgery day. The head coach didn't, didn't agree with it and said, man, if you don't get this sooner, I can't have you on my team. And I was just like, dude, like, you know, I got to pay for it myself. I have a son I have to take care of. I still work because at smaller school, you don't really get enough money to survive on your own unless you're in school. And when the break, we didn't have school. And they wouldn't pay you to be in school. So I, I'll have to take care of my son. I needed to work. Even with the hurt leg and all, still, I got a job. And I told him my situation. He was like, well, you got to make a business decision either the team or your son. And of course, i chose my son. And so, with that situation, uh, I had a close friend of mine, once I healed from the tumor surgery and all that, he was like, man, you think you can still move like you used to? And I was like, I'm pretty sure that he didn't work out with him. And once you seen how it worked out, he was like, man, I'm going to City College. You coming with me? And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know if my mental state right I just beat this big crazy thing in my life. And I dealt with it. And once... uh. I got surgery. My sister had died about a week later. Then my godmom had died a week later. So I wasn't, like, really in a mental state of thinking about football. And I was like, man, you sure? Like, I don't know if I'm ready. And then he believed in me, and I went to City College. And I played good at City College. And then uh, I met Coach Amy. He hit, yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter, and I got on the phone with him. And he was a defensive line coach at Arizona. And we just lied right away. He, like, explained the scheme and stuff to me. I went on a visit. And I was like, okay, this scheme is good because, it's a, it was like more of a multiple front. So we ran three down, four down. I would play the whole D line of, okay, uh, I'm not knowing if I can get my, if I'll sure get this medical red shirt a year back. So since I might only have one year, I need to get an assistant that can show all, all my talent in a year. So I was like, okay, this is the best for this. And that's why I decided to go to Arizona.
3: Just to follow up here, you mentioned a couple of really neat things in the course of are telling us your story. And, um, well, first, Dude, sorry for sorry for the loss, man. I mean,
0: that, yeah.
3: I know that had to hurt, but um, you mention your son and tell us yeah. tell us about your family and how much that means to you when it comes to playing this game and and uh, tell us about your kid overall. <laughs> Let's get to know you a little bit.
2: Okay, um, so I I love this game like. I will play this game as long as I have a chance to play this game. But the fact that I have had a got, got my son, I have two kids now. But the fact that I had, when I had my son, I was like, okay, now I have a reason, even more than just my love for the game, to to play this game even harder because I got mouths to feed, I have a kid to take care of, and adding my daughter, I was like, okay, even more. Like I just feel like I, I my parents like worked so hard, so I'm like, okay, I, I gotta even to do better than my parents. And I have such a fascination with children. I love children. I hate to see children suffer. So the fact that I have my own, it just drives me to make sure they have the world if they want it. Like, And that's, that's like telling me so much to me because I've seen where I come from. A lot of people don't have two-parent homes. and I've just seen the difference on a day-to-day basis on how kids acted when they had both parents and when they had one parent. And I was like, okay, I need to be there, especially as a father, that I, I need to make sure my children have me and they have uh, uh, the best father I could be the best father I could be, from, from finances to on a daily basis, making sure they're okay and building connections with them. So, can you
4: tell me what you're hearing as far as when you expect to hear your name called in the draft? We've seen draft sites list you anywhere from you know round three to round five. I've seen undrafted on a couple sites. Have you have you heard any inclination from your agent or anybody? Kind of have an idea, a feel of where you might go in the draft.
2: Uh, I've I pretty much heard like a lot of those same things, depending on who I've talked to or what website you're For the most part, from what I understand is people that have, I, I've learned in the sponsors, a lot of people only look out at the numbers and they never really pick up pick up uh, like a device and watch the film. And from what, I, from what I've seen, for the most part, people that have actually sat down and watched my film, they've all been saying for between third the 23rd and 5th. And people that have heard, just heard of me and seen my size or whatever, and haven't really paid attention to my film say uh, later to undraft it. I believe the team or the the t- people in charge who actually know who I am and watch my film believe I should go third the team Is what I from what I'm seeing.
4: Well, awesome. Yeah, whenever whenever I put on your tape, I kind of felt the same way. I definitely saw you as a draftable player for sure. So I'm excited to hear that. You know you're you're feeling you're feeling like you're hearing good things out there. Um, speaking to that a little bit further, what teams have you talked with thus far?
2: I've almost talked to all thirty two teams, especially on pro day, they all said something quick to me or like <clears throat> excuse me. They they talk to me real quick, like between drills, especially on pro day, like a team like ask me something real quick or have a small time. Like I've had small conversations with pretty much every team. And so the the, the teams I probably talk to the most are like the uh, the Cardinals, the Niners, the uh Lions, Dolphins, Giants, uh Falcons, Titans, those are the type teams I've heard from the, the most. But I pretty much talked to every team.
4: Quick question: um, speaking to that a little bit further, have you spoken to the Rams at all yet?
2: No, I do not. I think I've talked to them on my on my pro day, but I don't think I've had like further conversation besides this quick on my pro day. Okay, okay. Do you remember at
4: all, like, kind of what they had to say to you when you spoke to them at the pro day?
2: Um, mo- most scouts, because I was like more of a generalist, I wasn't really thinking exactly who I was talking to. i was more focused on my drills, but. Most guys would right. just me compliments on the way I moved at my size, and they were commenting on my weight loss and how well I'm in shape. A lot of teams thought I was gonna show up. I'm I'm a big dude, so everybody thought I'd be like a fat blob out of shape just showing up. And I and I raised a lot of eyebrows because I came in a, a whole lot better shape than I, than I was on film and, and a lot less weight. So oh,
4: awesome, just, awesome.
3: Just to back up a little bit, you mentioned you know people who are seeing you on film being catching you going round three to round five what about you on film right now will make you successful in the nfl
2: uh, i believe my my versatility my first my first step and my uh my, my hand strength is, is uh what separates me from a lot of players i have like i have long arms and i'm good at striking my hands and controlling body and the fact that I can, i'm so quick i can play the whole D line especially on run downs i feel like that gives me advantage to take to the next level
4: Kind of speaking to your strengths and, and weaknesses here, um, you kind of mentioned your strengths already. What are some weaknesses in your game that you feel you need to work on for the NFL?
2: My, my biggest weakness for what I think is my pad level, and I felt like that to do with uh, the bad body percentage on me. So my biggest focus has been lowering the body percentage and gaining more muscle so that muscle can carry itself instead of just fat laying there, laying down on me. When I get tired, I get high and high cause I'm just trying to survive. So my biggest thing is uh, fixing my pad level and uh, changing my body and my stamina.
4: What's, you know, one or two players in the NFL currently that you kind of see yourself molding your game after? I,
2: I really, really like, you know, I even you know, like I'm bigger than him, but I, I really like watching his film. Everybody, I'm sure, watching Aaron Donald, he's a pass rush god, so I always watch him. Um, when I do my D stuff, I watch Khalil Mack because he's a, more of a power rusher and I'm a power dude, so I watch him on the edge so I can learn how to rush the edge. I like Fletcher Cox a whole lot. There's a bunch of guys. I just try to learn from all of them and mix their game into what I can do, so I can be the best for me.
3: What do you want people to know about you overall, both as a football player and as a person?
2: Uh, as a football player, I want people to know that I, I, I'll do anything it takes to win the game within the rules. I, I, I'll, if a coach wants to keep me in five five drive in a row, no sub, I'll, I'll do it. I'll find any to, to get it done. He wants to put me out any position because we have injuries, I'll learn the position, I'll learn I'll know my plays, I'll get it done, I'll put in the extra work in the field room, the weight room, whatever I need to do to make sure that I can do my job at a at a higher level than average. And as as a human, I I just want people to know that I'm I'm a caring individual. I care about others. I'm very interested in society and I really love children. So like I would always want like we had we didn't have a great season this year but no matter what, if I seen a kid with a ball or something and want an autograph, we lost, I don't care. That kid looks up to us. So I want to make sure they they get what they came for. You want my autograph? For sure, I'll give you autograph. Come to the back after the game; we can take a picture. I don't care if we want a lot because it, it, it's more about life than just football. And I'm so into people that I, I really care about the people, especially the children, because children in the world.
4: Uh so PJ, we kind of uh, we're kind of done asking the serious stuff now. Now I just kind of want to have a little bit of fun with you, ask you some some kind of fun things to talk about. Just let people get you to know you a little bit further on our show. So uh, okay. Final five questions here. What's your favorite
2: TV show of all time? Ooh, let me think. Probably either Popeye or Dragon Ball Z. Okay, <laughs> okay.
3: Dragon Ball Z? That was yeah. <laughs> I gotta be I honest, did not man. Expect you expect threw... <laughs> that. <laughs> a big defensive <laughs> tackle going Dragon Ball Z. I never, I never thought I'd hear that one.
4: Hey, real quick, are <laughs> yeah. you, are you, are you going to use something from Dragon Ball Z in a sack celebration in the NFL?
2: I was kind of thinking about it, but it's like it's uh, Dragon Ball Z has got really popular again, so I kind of didn't want to like ride that wave and, and do something because everybody's into Dragon Ball Z and like I've always been into it, so I don't want to kind of do it when it's popular, like when it dies down a little bit, then I'll probably do some more stuff uh, tribute-wise to Dragon Ball Z because I don't really like riding popular waves like that. Right, right. All right, man. Well, we'll look out for
4: your first SAC celebration for sure. Uh, what's your What's your favorite food?
2: Pizza, I love pizza pizza. All
4: right. Favorite sports movie
2: Favorite sports movie Whew. Um, let me think. I, I, I really used to like really a lot. I used to love the underdog I used to love I love that movie and I really like the express. That's probably my favorite the express it's Probably my favorite sports movie.
4: Okay. How about your favorite
2: movie overall? My favorite movie overall is a three-way tie between a movie called The Wood, The Lion King, and Forrest Gump.
3: Okay. Okay. What the was Wood. that first movie? The Wood. The Wood. Okay. All right. So the last question I got for you. And this is a this is a little deeper, man. Okay. If you could play okay. for one coach in NFL history, any coach, any one of them, who would it be, and why? And this is our last question.
2: Hey. Um. Woo. Yeah, I think about this one. I ain't thought about this before.
3: How's that for curveball, man?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a curveball. Um, it's a lot of coaches I like. I probably would say Dennis Green. Okay, why? I grew up a big Randy Moss fan, and I just seen a relationship, and I was like, man, I, I love the relationship he had with Randy. Like, no matter where Randy went through, they felt like he was always like a father figure, man, they were close. And like he rolled for his players no matter what. And I, I-, I would love to have that as a coach.
3: All right, man, I just want to thank you so much, PJ, for coming on the show. I, I know you're tr- getting ready to travel. You're up for a long couple weeks ahead of you. Can you let us know where people can find you on Twitter and social media?
2: Yeah, um, my Twitter and my, uh, my, my um, Instagram are both LulaLandPJ, L-U-L-A-L-A-N-D-P-J. Uh, Lula was my sister that passed, so like, my, all my profiles are dedicated to her. You can follow me on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at that name. All
4: right, And I I, I I suggest everybody go follow this man. <laughs>
2: thank
4: it, you.
3: We were really grateful for what you did for our guy, Mark, man. He was um, It really meant a lot to him that you did that. It'd be just a few seconds of taking the time out to wish his son well, and it meant a lot to him. So thank you.
2: No problem. No problem. I, I'll do it. If kids want to talk to me, man, just hit me up. I'll find it in my, in my time and try to talk to them. I love kids. All right. Well, that's awesome,
4: PJ. And, and I just want to thank you again, man, for, you know, speaking with me and everything and coming on our show here. Really appreciate it. We're, we're excited to watch your NFL career take off.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
3: All right. So, again, a great conversation with him. He was, he was really neat, chilled out kind of guy. And just, you know, fun talking with him. Looking at film, it's really interesting to see what he's capable of, the way he moves. He's rated it through, you know, by many as a third to fifth round pick, but he can do a lot of the same things a lot of these early rounders can do. So it would not shock me to see the Rams or somebody, and it's looking not like the Rams, honestly, because just judging by who he's talked to, but then again, you never know because teams play things so close to this. But, it would not surprise me to see him turn out to be a solid NFL starter or more in the years to come. His ad tube is what blew me away and it was just a really neat opportunity to talk with PJ. Okay, so before we move on. We do want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Jim Hawk. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Team Grit, Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's Book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. The paperback version is also coming out very soon, as soon, like September 6th. That's pretty soon. All proceeds for this go to Homeboy Industries, which is a charity that works to get people out of gang life and back into being productive members of society. It's a great opportunity to really help those who are trying to make great things happen in the world. Again, that's Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. So moving on, recently we've been having a lot of discussions on our podcast about what the Rams should do with their first pick. And as we're seeing a lot of these mock drafts come out, at least it seems that many of the experts think they're going to go defensive tackle or defensive line, somewhere on there. And there's obvious good reason why, including the fact there's a lot of depth there. A ton of depth available this time defensively, not as much on the offensive line. Although, like Mike was on the show on Sunday night saying, listen, offensive line if you can, go there. And that's a pretty good point to make, a pretty good point to make. But I do have a personal opinion on this that I haven't shared too much about. And for me, if the Rams can move back, I think they need to do it. I think it's a, it's one of those things where if you know the players are going to be there a few picks back and there's a team willing to move up and give you an extra pick at this point, it needs to happen. Here's the reason why I strongly think the Rams need to do this. Depth. The fact of the matter is the Rams have lost depth, especially in the offensive line, especially losing to the Gawakan Su, to free agency. The fact that they've had to sign some big contracts. They need to increase depth at a market price value at good value they cannot right now afford to overpay too many players they have big contracts coming up real soon that's jared goff that's marcus peters it looks like the rams are leaning towards bringing him back if marcus peters can really show himself next year so at this point i would really think that right now the rams are smart if they can move back a little bit get an extra pick or two and put that towards building depth finding some starters. Do, do not forget that Les Snead and Sean McVay have done a great job of finding starters in the mid to lower rounds in the last couple of drafts. And I think that has to be motivation. These guys are seeing talent. And it makes you wonder, too, about Les Snead, because where was Les Snead doing this when Jeff Fisher was around? I would really love to sit down and and talk with these guys in that 2012 to 2016 era and figure out a lot of the decisions that were made because the last need we've seen the last couple of years has been a different guy. He wasn't doing a bad job beforehand, by the way, but they were not finding the mid-range, like mid-draft pick starters that are finding now. That entire draft class last year provided value and maybe even more. I mean, Oboehead didn't even play last year. So he could be another bargain, maybe, in the rough. Michael Kaiser, are hearing more and more buzz about him after having a year developing in behind the scenes. Joe Noboom in, in limited time last year was pretty impressive. Shocked, shocked me, quite frankly. They feel Brian Allen's the guy to step in and start at center. So that, that draft class, to me, in the year before, they have done a great job making things happen. This is why you draft back. This is sorry. This is why you move back. This is why you go ahead and you don't move back too far. If if you are looking for a defensive tackle, defensive line, you probably don't want to move back more than ten picks. Okay, but you, I think it's safe to move back if you can. If there's somebody out there who wants that pick, that's a player for them. Go for it. The Rams will be smart to do it. So if that's not going to happen we do want to think about who they will take who who are the guys on the rams radar and we know they've talked to a lot of people out there so what i did is i spent some time today just looking around and seeing what some of the experts out there are thinking in terms of who the rams will take and it's pretty clear that most of them are thinking defense there's one there's one outlier so first is Tom Fornelli from CBS Sports. He has the Rams taking Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle from Clemson. I like the pick. It's, he's not the same guy as Duncan Sue. Uh, but pretty much anybody from that Clemson defensive line right now I think has a good future in the NFL. And there's not a whole lot of risk there of them being busts. So I can go with that. I can roll with that. Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle, Clemson. I wonder if he'll be there. I have my doubts. I, I, I really do have my doubts. And his teammate Lawrence, by the way, is another guy who may or may not be there, depending on, on what draft you're looking at, what mock draft you're looking at. And he'd be a guy to keep an eye on. Luke Easterling from the Draft Wire. This one's interesting. He actually is with me. He believes they're going to trade down with Denver and get uh, a mid '30s pick. I forget it was mid '30s or it was the early '40s? I remember, but it was pretty close. And then later on. Later on, the 71st pick from Denver, and they made some moves there. That's what I'm hoping they do, by the way. I'm hoping the Rams go in there and they make some serious decisions to move back and find a player. We, Charles Davis from the NFL.com. He has the Rams taking Jeffrey Simmons, offensive tackle from Mississippi State, as does Davis's cohort in crime over at NFL.com, Don Banks, who also has has the Rams taking Jen, uh, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State? Here's my concern about that pick. Simmons tore his ACL, and we've talked to him um, here at Rams Talk. He's a really great guy. He's the kind of guy you'd love to have on your team. He'll he will have a good career in the NFL. The problem is the Rams need immediate help on the defensive line right now. Just from my point of view. And he's not going to be back right away. He's not even going to be himself right away. If you're looking for somebody to come in there and plug holes and really find a spot in the defensive line and make an impact, I'm not sure he will do that. If you have time as a franchise to kind of bring him along and give him time to develop and not have a need to make an immediate impact, then yeah, go get Jeffrey Simmons. Go get him. He's going to be a good player in this league. The problem is that's not what the Rams have this year. They do have a whole defensive tackle. We don't know yet how they're going to fill it. And, I mean, maybe they move Brockers back inside and rely on John Franklin Myers, who, by the way, again, another another rookie from last year's class who played very well. But if that's not the case, I'm not sure you can justify taking Jeffrey Simmons. Will Brinson from CBS Sports has... Caleb McGarry from Washington, offensive lineman. I, I like the pick if it's there. I, you know, we. I like it. I prefer. I would prefer an offensive lineman like Mike. I agree with Mike on that one. That an offensive lineman here is somebody you want. However, just studying on the mocks and looking where team, team needs are from across the league, I'm not so sure that McGarry will be there. I'm not so sure that any other really solid offensive lineman will be there come thirty one. It'd be nice if they get him, or someone like him. Dalton Rizer's another guy who we had in the show who I am very impressed with. He's to me he is the personality to be a Ram. Just his attitude, excellent attitude, that's Dalton Risner. I'd like to see that happen, but you know, who knows? Trevor Sykema from the Draft Network, he's been on Butting Heads, and, of course, he was a part of the our tour in the league last year, covering from the, the Pewter Report for the Buccaneers. He has Cleland Farrell, Edge, from Clemson. Now, his mock draft's a little bit different. For Trevor, he looks at, he's, he's, he's thinking just based on team needs and where the, where the picks are. He's not making trades in his mock draft. He's not looking at a lot of other different options. He's just being straight, A straight shooter here. If teams go and get what they need, this is his mock draft. So we'll see. But here's the outlier. The one that I mentioned earlier was a little weird. Pete Schrager for NFL.com has the Rams taking Miles Sanders from Penn State. Running back. And his, his reasoning is, well, the Rams need another guy who can catch the ball in the backfield, who can be... A solid player on in that offense with all the risks to Todd Gurley. And I get that. And if the Rams had solid depth at offensive line, like the interior, we're talking left guard center. Oh, and by the way, Andrew Whitworth might not be back in 2020. So you maybe you want to get your left tackle if he's there. I'm just not sure why anybody would have mocked a running back at this point especially if you've seen Malcolm Brown play, especially since we don't know all of the, well, we don't know all of what's going on with Todd. The Rams aren't confirming much of anything. No, And I don't blame them, by the way. This is not a criticism. I wouldn't want the whole league knowing what's going on that running back if I can avoid it. And they might not even know. He might. Todd might be fine by now. We heard all the reports about arthritis and everybody freaks out. We kind of freak out here. We look at all the options about what's going on with him, but we don't really know. So it just seems really weird to me this is where you're going to go. When the Rams just brought back Malcolm Brown for two years, they matched the Lions' offer, they let C.J. Anderson go, and you probably could have had C.J. fairly cheap. So I don't really see the the mindset here of going running back in the first round. You want to talk third and fourth round, I'm game, go for it. If you could find that guy, that diamond in the rough you could develop in case something happens to Todd, that's where you go. But I do not see why on earth the Rams are going to take a, a running back at this point when you have so many other holes. And what do I, what I mean by that? I mean defensive tackle. You need edge help. We don't know really how Clay Matthews fits in. We don't know how they feel about Samson Abicom. We They need just more edge help. And they need more defensive line help. They need offensive line depth or starters. And I keep mentioning this. At the cornerback position, it's really weird that nobody's really mentioning the fact that most of these cornerbacks are gone next year. Everybody's a, Almost everybody's a free agent. You need corners, and you need young corners. So the Rams, I believe, are going to move from there. Safety. They've brought in a lot of safeties. Eric Weddle may or may not be here for two years. One year guaranteed, sure. Will the Rams bring him back for a second year? Who knows? They're going to draft a safety. I just don't see how the Rams go running back. In, the, in that first round. They don't pick again until later. If they don't trade back, they don't pick until the 90s, folks. So it just seems silly to me. So that's the review of the mock There's other mock drafts out there. I just picked seven that I was able to get a good look at. And we'll be digging deeper into later rounds as we get closer and closer to the draft. But that first pick to me is critical because you only have that pick before you're going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for a while. You got to nail this pick, especially given the death problems the Rams have in the roster. They're stars. They're a Super Bowl contender. They still are. Okay. But you need to fill these holes and you cannot waste this pick. You, the Rams cannot afford to have a bust with the 31st pick of the draft. They got to find a guy. It doesn't have to be a star. But he does need to be a contributor, somebody who fills a gap and will fill that gap for four or five years at least, until that con- that person comes up for a contract. So there you go. That's my look at just the mock drafts and and where the Rams are going. I'm not sure uh, you if you if I'm going to put money on it, I'm going to say, given the person that will be there, the person that will be there, I think the Rams will go defensive line or edge rusher if there's anything there. But you know, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Okay, so before we move on to other things, we do want to remind you that we are looking for sponsors. We always are. And we have several open vacancies for advertising and so on and so forth for next season. Reach out to us at ramstop 1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you and we we'd love to talk with you about potential opportunities to partner with you and to just do great things. Okay. So also, I mentioned before, we are going to be putting up a Patreon soon. So if you want to be an individual who likes, who supports us, and we'll have some goodies available for you if you do that as well. So, okay, I told you before, I wouldn't do anything, say anything more than that. There you go. There's our spiel. Okay, so other news in the last couple of days. Well, C.J. Anderson signed with the Lions. And um, I was one of the most vocal people here at Rams talk about Anderson staying. And I really wish he could have stayed. So to, to C.J., we say thank you for... The work you put in on short notice when things were looking pretty dire. If you remember after the Eagles game, things were looking pretty dire for the Rams. And he came in and he did a wonderful job. And he deserves a chance to to go out there and shine for whatever team signs him. Now we know it's the Lions. And I hope the Lions use him well. I hope he does great there and earns himself some big money. So to C.J. Anderson, we thank you for the time you put in. We thank you for the work that you um, that you left out in the field. And uh, good luck to you, man. Good luck, and and you know, hopefully, we don't have to ever worry about lining up against you—at least not for a long time. Also, the Alliance of American Football. I know this is not Rams related, but sometimes we need to leave that for a second. I want to go ahead and vocalize this right now. What happened here? In the last couple of days of the Alliance of American Footballs is, um, well, it's it's garbage. Okay, there's no other way around to say it. And the reason why I'm vocalizing this, even if it's on a Rams podcast, is because many of these players are you know are guys who played for the Rams. Luis Perez being one of them was was in camp just last year, and other players as well, Zach Stacy, former Ram. Leagues fail. Ventures fail. I should know. I'm a small business owner. I understand. Things happen. And it doesn't always work out the way you want to work out. You wish, we all wish, that things would have turned out differently with the AAF. But it's the after effect of what happened there. It didn't have to go this way. It really, really didn't. It did not have to fall apart. It did not have to die. And that's the sad part about it. The way this whole thing went down didn't have to go down. And that's the shame of it to me. That is the ridiculous shame of it. What I mean is this. Imagine you starting a business, trying to work with another local business, okay? Like you want to be one of their suppliers. And you, you build a, a a, a light partnership, you know, kind of respect. Heck, you even even get on with, with one of their, you know, with one of their trucks, okay? And then halfway through your first part of your contract, you start making more demands. And demands that are short notice, that are basically out of left field, and contractually cannot happen, at least not right away. So the other side says no. And that's what happened here in the AAF. Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes the NHL franchise, came in there, rode the White Horse originally to help save the league, promised two hundred and fifty million dollars apparently in investment. In the end, only paid in seventy, didn't didn't do the whole thing yet, but then pulled the plug on the league when he could not get an agreement with the NFLPA about funneling players to the AAF as a feeder league. Well, of course the NFL couldn't do it. They have this thing called a contract, and you can't break these contracts. The time to have that negotiation is in the next negotiation window. You don't do it now. And you don't, or at the, at the very least, if you want to try and renegotiate the contract, fine, but you don't do it in the middle of your season, of the AAF season. And then you wonder why the NFL is saying no. What makes it worse to me is these players, players like Luis Perez and Zach Stacy. They're left stranded. This Bush League league left these people in a hotel room with no way home, no way home. And when reports were even, some of those hotels weren't paid for. Okay, you can't they can't verify that, but. That's just a horrible way to do business. I hope Tom Dundon, whatever he got out of this, some say it's the the gambling technology. I hope that anything he got out of this fails miserably. And I hope nobody out there is willing to do business with this man after this, at least in sports. Okay. I can't speak for other industries, but I wouldn't want, not want to touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. After this, you don't treat people this way. You don't leave these players stranded somewhere out of nowhere and expect them to find their own way. You had them on contract. You put them there. You had them on the field. They played for you and your product. You get them home when you cancel that product. When you when you kick their jobs out from under them, which is garbage, absolutely garbage. I cannot believe that there is not more criticism out there about it. You know, it's just ridiculous. Okay. Other stuff. Well, we did something recently here at Rams Talk where we invited our listeners to come in, uh, well, to to call it to our our number at 657-666-5453 and tell us their favorite memory. And we wanted to share a few of those with you. And again, these are phone calls. The audio wasn't perfect, but we did want to take the time to just share with you the the stories these people have I don't want you all to for, forget as we get into the season then draft and off season sometimes a lot of the history aspects that we cover get lost and the reality is we still cater much to the history of this franchise so we want to take the time now to just share with you these memories the first memory I have up is from one of our listeners Max and here check it out
5: Hey, what's up, Talk Rams? This is Max from Naples. Uh, I'm on Twitter, MaxSolt14. Uh, I appreciate all the Talk Rams, all the hard work you guys do for the Rams community. And, uh, I know Derek, everyone works really hard. It's called one my, my best Rams moments. Uh, past playoffs, these past years, I was fortunate enough with the help of, uh, the Rams and everyone there to, my family and I were making it out to LA and we were able to go to my first NFL game and the Rams playoff game versus the Cowboys. First time ever at a Rams game. The atmosphere was incredible. The Coliseum was beautiful. All the fans were amazing. Had such a great time. Um, appreciated everyone uh, from the Rams that make that, that weekend really special. So, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite Rams memories. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. <laughs>
3: Really neat. Max is a good guy, and and um, he's been very supportive of our venture here. The next person up, Rudy. He's actually, believe it or not, he's kind of lost, and he deserves credit because he is one of our original founders here. At Rams talk, and you know, life just kind of took him away from us a little bit. But you know, he left the message for us. You know, he actually asked him. Not gonna lie, I asked him to uh, tell us his memory, and uh, here it is: his best memory of the Rams.
1: Rudy from Los Angeles. My favorite Ram memory has to be from the 1975 divisional game against the Cardinals right after Christmas in 1975. Jim Hart, the Cardinal quarterback, had gone back to pass, and Jack Youngblood got a hand on it and picked it off and started rumbling downfield. I was situated on the aisle, and uh, I jumped up when he caught the ball and I landed in the aisle, and with those narrow Coliseum steps, I ended up twisting my ankle and falling down, and I never got to see him cross the goal line. Although I assume from the roar of the crowd, obviously, that he made it in to the end zone. I uh, It was well worth the limp for the next two weeks. Uh, it was a great game, and uh, those were great times. But uh, I certainly remember that more than other... Plays only because of the absurdity of what happened to me uh, up in the stands.
3: Right. I I have to get Rudy on the show because Rudy is loaded with history. Just the memories. He was able to explain his memory of that game very clearly and he is a walking encyclopedia of anything, Rams, even Dodgers for all the Dodgers fans out there. And uh we, and he and I get to have our debates on Dodgers and Angels. I'm an Angels fan, he's a Dodgers fan and and um, you know, just the wonderful baseball history that's taking place out there. So Rams, Dodgers, you name it, he's got it and I gotta have him on a show here. To talk some talk some Rams here soon sooner rather than later. Alright, Henry Camacho, another just awesome guy who has made a point to just interact with us as much as he can here's his story
5: hi my name is henry camacho and i would have to say that my greatest rams memory of all times when i watched super bowl 14 with my dad uh even though the rams lost it was their first trip there and it was just such an improbable season and uh I mean, there's so many others that I could think of, but to me, that's the best one because I got to watch with my dad who's no longer with us anymore. And uh, anyway, that's all I got to say. Thanks, Derek. Bye.
3: One of the things that I really am enjoying now about this, you know, running Rams talk and, and just sharing all these things with you is that I'm getting to share it now with my daughter who's three years old. And uh, I, I, I'm i not afraid to tell you that I'm indoctrinating my kid. <laughs> I, you know, I'll I i I'll say all the time, she's just uh, an amazing little girl. And you know what? Ask her where her favorite team is. She says Rams. I've had her on the show saying Rams before. And she's got all the wonderful Rams gear and all, you know, the shirts. And I got her a jersey. I got a Todd girlie jersey that she loves to wear. And, and even in the off season, she knows what daddy does. It's all about the Rams. And, you know that that's my little girl, and and um, I look forward to many years sharing those memories with her about the Rams, and and um, so that's what Henry's talking about. That's what his message there reminds me of. All right, one more message from Jesse, Jesse Cifuentes, another one of our our listeners here who, with his story, um, his greatest memory. Uh, my
5: name's Jesse. I'm from La Puente, California. Uh, my favorite Ram memory. Uh there's well there's a lot, but the one that always sticks out is the first one, the one that hooked me, done for life. Uh it's the uh eighty nine win against the Giants in the playoffs. Um I was about seven, eight years old. Uh crying my eyes out because I really thought we were gonna lose. Um uh, so I missed most of how that game wrapped up. But I remember that I just uh looked up long enough and, you know, crying. Um but I did see Flipper Anderson catch that that ball from Jim Everett and uh, ran it into the tunnel. Never looked back, and uh, that's that's it. You know, from then on, uh, Ram fan, and can't picture myself changing that anytime so Hope uh, to hear other stories. Have a good day, guys.
3: Believe it or not, Jesse's story is actually similar to mine. I was a young fan. I'm a little older than he is. I was. Watching the game in my parents' room, the little TV they had because my dad was downstairs watching a movie, and um, I'm just watching this go overtime. And I'm thinking, no, it's not going to happen. It's cold. It's been a dog fight all day. It's it's you know, this the Giants. They just they they were they won a Super Bowl a couple years before. It's just not going to happen. And then the Jim Everett throw to flip Anderson in the hits him in the tunnel. He keeps going. Heads <laughs> um, in the end zone, runs the title. It's just one of those memories you, you just can't forget. That and uh, just so, such a wonderful memory, quite frankly. So you know that's a good one to keep. That that's one of the best out there, I think, for me. That and his uh, Willie Anderson 336 yard game for the NFL record against the Saints that year. As a matter of fact. So, all right, folks. So if you want us to play your memory on the show, give us a call six five seven. Six 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 five four five three. I think it's really awesome to hear your memories and interact with you and, and get your thoughts. I, I think sometimes we get lost a little bit in the mix of the now. And that was never the goal of Rams Talk. The goal of the Rams Talk was, that, was to keep us connected to the history, the good of all the wonderful things we've seen and experienced as being people who follow this Rams team. So, again, the number... 657-666-5453. Leave us a voicemail. Just give your name, uh, your location. You don't have to give your full name or anything. Just leave a message. And, you know, that'll give us permission. That's, you know, to put on the air and we'll put you on the air. We'll give you a shout out and we'll share your memories. All right. So that about wraps it up. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. And also, don't forget the rest of our team. Like, for example, Mike, he's at 1 Duke 23. Josh Kolacki, he's at RI underscore Kylo we have a bunch of great people here on our staff. And I would encourage you to go in there and read their work at ramstalk.net, interact with them on Facebook and Twitter and so on and so forth. Also, don't forget some iTunes. I, I laid out that contest we're having for you. I hope you, Get involved and leave a nice review. And don't forget also our, our mailbox is always open if you have other feedback for us. If you want to tell me how awful I am, please do it. I'm at RamsTaught 1945 at gmail.com. We are on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Our Heart Radio, Google Play. You name it, we're there. Also, IEBeatRail.com. we're there on Wednesday and Saturday, Wednesday and Sunday mornings right now at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I'm not sure about Saturday. Let me check on that. But for the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Paula saying have a great night. We'll talk to you again this weekend. And, well, hey, you know what? Go Rams.
0: Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.